1 Corinthians 15, verse 12. Let's pray. Lord, we, uh, we thank you, God, for your faithfulness. God, for your sustaining power, Lord. We thank you that you are with us and, and that you never leave us, you never forsake us. God, and we pray for those in our body who are, who are sick and, and, and not doing well and, and just uh, down and out, maybe discouraged. We pray that you would touch them and you'd heal them and you encourage them, God, and um, that you would be uh, just have your hand on us, so this beautiful little body you put together, this family we have, and um, that we'd be all a blessing to one another and, and uh, just to be able to look to you together and, and trust you together and pray for one another and care for one another and bear each other's burdens and all of that. God, we just thank you for that opportunity to have a family like that, a church like that. So we pray that you'd speak to us through your word, by your spirit, that you'd fill us, God, that you'd give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Um, as we go forward, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> all right. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15 Verse 12. If you missed last week, uh, I would encourage you to go check it out on the podcast. Um, it's kind of, it's part one to this message. And Paul is dealing with the Corinthian Christians with the issue of the resurrection. And it's so cool that they needed this answered because we get to gain all this insight on the resurrection from Paul delivering it to them. And we know they believed in the resurrection, but there was some struggles with the resurrection. And last week we really, really kind of pointed out the, the importance of the resurrection and, and, um, why there's so much value and proof. And we had that little video by Jay Warner Wallace that uh, was a detective cold case detective that had gone in and, and investigated. And at the age of 35 came to Christ through a thorough investigation of the claims made here in first Corinthians chapter 15 of those who had seen Jesus risen from the dead and were willing to die for it. And, and, uh, so that was kind of last week coming into, was there, was there a resurrection? Yes. But now why that's important for us personally, individually, why we need a resurrected Christ, why all of Christianity hangs on the balance and why Paul was willing to stake his whole reputation on the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Do you think Paul was a guy who took his reputation lightly? Like, I, I don't think so, right? He doesn't seem like that kind of a guy that would want his name to be drugged through the mud. Over and over again, we see him saying, like, you know, I did not want to be one that was known for taking, so I didn't take. I gave. Even though I, I fully deserved to take in that position, I wanted to make sure you knew I was who I said I was and that there would be no claim against me that would defile my name and my commitment to Christ. But Paul's willing to stake his whole claim on the resurrection of Jesus. His whole reputation on the claim and the resurrection of Jesus. So that's, that's huge. So verse 12, he says, Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? And we know the first 11 verses were 
preaching and, and showing that Christ is, in fact, raised from the dead, that he was seen by over 500 eyewitnesses, that many of them were alive to this day. Uh, there was many martyrs that, of those who claimed that Jesus had risen from the dead. I was looking at some quotes on the resurrection. There was one that was talking about uh, how Watergate had these these men of high prestige and, and they couldn't hold it together for, for weeks, you know, and all of these disciples and they're, you know, they were very flighty and very like, uh, kind of sketched out by authority were willing to die for this truth. There was, there was no lying in there. And so Paul was, is, is kind of saying here, I've proven to you that there's a resurrection, but why is it that some of you have said there's no resurrection from the dead? This is likely culture creeping in. And uh, then, you know, we know the Sadducees had issues with the resurrection. And we know some tried to take it and minimalize it. And that's just what the world does, right? Takes the miracles of God, the, the, the straight truths of God, and starts to slowly chip away and try and water it down until all of a sudden it's not a good message. It's not good news. It's not the truth at all, Right? You look around and you're like, this is no longer what it started as at all because we've allowed culture to define it for us and to change and manipulate it for us. We should absolutely preach the gospel to all cultures, but culture should not change the message of the gospel at all. And so Paul's saying that some of you are saying there's no resurrection from the dead. This is problematic for him. You're saying there's no resurrection from the dead. He says, but if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. You know, what's funny is when you start questioning and you start like kind of trying to take away and strip away parts of Christianity that you don't like or that make you feel uncomfortable that, or that might get you someone to disagree with you. Most of persecution is just people disagreeing with you, maybe yelling at you on social media, right? This is the persecution we generally face as of right now in the United States. It's not like, you, you know, who here has been beaten for it, you know, this week? Who, who's been beaten for the gospel's sake? You know, like that's not something we're currently experiencing here. But uh, if you start chipping away at the gospel and you start chipping away at the message before you know it, again, like you say here, then you messed, missed the whole message. The whole importance of the message of the gospel. If there's no resurrection from the dead, then Christ isn't risen. So let's, let's break it down. If no one's risen from the dead, then that means Christ didn't rise from the dead. If we don't believe in the resurrection from the dead, then there's no way Jesus could have risen from the dead. Okay. Well, what does that mean? How does that affect our faith? And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. So it didn't take long for us to lose everything by letting the world sneak in and creep in and mess us up. The resurrection is essential. It's everything. Tim Keller had a quote, and and it goes like this. If Jesus rose from the dead, then you have to accept all that he said. If he didn't rise from the dead, then why worry about any of what he said? The issue on which everything hangs is not whether or not you like his teaching, but whether or not he rose from the dead. So if Jesus did rise from the dead, then we absolutely, he deserves our attention, right? Because that's just not a thing that happens very often, right? 
So if he did do the things, especially the fact that he said it was going to happen, that's even more gnarly, right? So he rose from the dead. So it absolutely says here, all right, you did rise from the dead. And so really it boils down to the issue of the resurrection. And if we can bring people to that place to say, well, if the dead rise, then, you know, and we can get that out of our head that, that the most, this is what Jay Warner Wallace said, remember on that video, the most logical answer was that Jesus rose from the dead. It was just, he had trouble with it because it was a supernatural answer. All points led to saying, well, the evidence is he did rise from the dead. But I don't like that. I don't like the way that works. I don't like the way that makes me feel. I'd rather have it be uh, something I'm comfortable with. And so we tell me this doesn't happen in the world we live in and we don't do it ourselves. We make a different, prem- we make a different premise out. We make a whole another story because it makes us more comfortable, not because it's more deeply rooted in reality. The fact of the matter is, is that Jesus rose from the dead and that makes us all have to think, doesn't it? If he did rise from the dead, then we need to absolutely accept all that he said, because that means he's God. And so if God, whatever God says goes, he's proven that, right? Is there any greater value? Is there anyone that we should listen to more than the God who created the universe? Absolutely not. Ravi Zacharias said, outside of the cross of Christ, there is no hope in this world. That cross and resurrection at the core of the gospel is the only hope for humanity. Wherever you go, ask God for wisdom on how to get the gospel in and even uh, even in the toughest situations of life. The hope that is found is in Jesus Christ. It is him, only in him. We find it in him. So this is this is our hope on which everything lies. Is in the gospel. So if you start messing around, you like, well, the resurrection is kind of a tricky subject because it's not like we see that happen all the time. You go, I like Jesus. I just don't like the whole resurrection thing. Well, then you strip the gospel of its power, and that's not the Jesus that can save you. If you don't believe that he rose from the dead, then he can't save you. You're still, like he said, in your sins. Yes, uh, and, and Paul's saying, like, I'm willing to. Basically, put all my weight on this. I'm willing to lean all of my weight on this. So if there's no resurrection, then Christ isn't risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and our faith is also empty. Everything hangs on this resurrection. Many men died on the cross. Right? Many men. It was, it was a, obviously two were dying with Jesus that day. Right? But how many of them rose again from the dead? It's not the cross that's unique. It's the resurrection from the dead. Cross is humanity's just most vile, uh, human, horrendous imagination, right? To come up with the cross of Christ. But the resurrection is, is Jesus winning. And then providing a whole new path for us to where sin and death are defeated. He took it on, but now we can fully lean into it. You know what it's like to kind of lean and then fully lean into something? If you're half leaning into something, it's not really comfortable, is it? I I do this because I break things. You know, I'm a breaking, I break things. And I also know, like, I've been told this my whole life. You're, you you're bigger, you're, you're, you're strong. You do these things more 
it affects people more than you think it does when you do the things you do. Okay. Like when you bump into someone, you got to watch where you're going. And I remember walking down the hall at night and knocking my mom's stuff off because, you know, I just grew and, you know, my didn't shoulder, you didn't used to be there and now it is, you know, and things would break. And, and so sometimes I'll be just chilling out or whatever. and I'll be laying down and I'll like, kind of like be laying next to Tori. I'll be like leaning on her or my head will be on her or something. And she'll be like, what are you doing with your head? Like, it's so light. You're not even laying on me. And it's because I'm like, oh, I don't want to crush you with my giant head. And so I'm sitting there like this. And it's the lightest thing ever. And she's like, what are you? And she, like, tries to force my head down. And I'm like, no, it's heavy, you know? Like, this this thing weighs a lot, you know? And she's like, no, do it. How do you relax? You can't relax like this. This isn't how you people relax. This is not a human thing to do, you know? And I'm just sitting there, like, with my head kind of slightly above the pillow. Yeah, this is great. Hover Hover pillow, you know? But if you are willing, then you say, okay, you know what? No, I'm trusting it. You lean into it. That's when you fall asleep. I've never fallen asleep hover pillowing, you know? You're just laying there on your bed, and your head's just kind of like, this is, this is great. I'm fine, right? Dr. Davis, this is a good thing. Probably not to be doing the hover pillow. Okay, for my neck's sake. But he, he, Paul's saying, I'm willing to fully lean on this. Do I trust this? You hear it? It made a little noise, didn't it? It's good, though. I'm leaning on it, right? Sometimes you go out, you'll see a plastic chair that's been sitting out in the sun for the last 17 years. You know, you go to someone's house and they say, oh, here's a chair for you. And you're like, oh, that's probably not a great idea. It's cracking. There's like white powder. Like every time the wind blows, flying off of it. I don't know if I do want to sit in that chair. I don't know if it can hold my weight. Paul was saying, I'm willing to stake everything on the resurrection. The hope, my hope here is for all of us that we gain more trust and, and hope and, and uh, reliance and believing the, the, the resurrection of Jesus and what that does for us. Verse 15. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ whom he did not raise up if in fact the dead do not rise. Paul takes it a step further. He's like, do you want to see? Okay. I'm saying if he did not rise, if the dead do not rise, then we are found false witnesses of God. Not just false witnesses, but false witnesses of God. Do you think that's something Paul would say lightly? I think Paul wanted to please God most of his life. You know, I really do. I think he had a desire to please God. I think that that uh, he was stubborn, and I think that he was... His, his best attributes are also his greatest weaknesses, right? He's so hardcore that, you know, he's like a freight train, you know? And, and because what does Jesus say to him? He's like, Saul, Saul, are you like tired of kicking against the goads? Like, I'm trying to direct you like dummy, like, you know, like you keep on running into the same wall. I'm trying to help you. And he's like, no, I'm doing this for God. Oh, wait a minute. You're, you're him. <laughs> Whoops. You know? And so I think Paul always had a desire to please, because he never says that it, in, in his, re, you know, recounting his testimony, he never says he was insincere. He was full of zeal. He was sincere. He wanted to please God. He didn't want to be found as a liar. He was sincerely misled, but he was all about it. But he's saying if the resurrection is not what we said it was, if it didn't actually happen, 
We are false witnesses because we just claim that we saw him rise from the dead. All of us. And he says, because we've testified of God that he raised up Christ from the dead, whom he did not raise up if in fact the dead do not rise. So if you say the dead don't rise, Paul's like a terrible guy to have an argument with. You know, he's like a lawyer. You know, he's just like, he's just so good at like, finding the flaws and be okay. Oh, so the dead don't rise. So then we're all liars. So that humanity has no hope. So here, you know, and he just goes off on all of that. If in fact the dead do not rise, he staked his whole reputation on it. I will say I'm a liar before you all. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead. And to some people who say, you could call me a liar. You're like, well, you are a liar. So that doesn't mean anything to you. Paul was not that guy. Was he? We don't know him, but, you know, his his reputation precedes him. For if the dead do not rise, verse 16, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. I love the way he breaks it down. He's like, so if you say the dead don't rise, let's see what kind of ramifications that has. Don't you feel like you're being talked to by, like, your dad or something? Okay, so let's say you do that thing you want to do. Now let's see what that means Let's see how that affects this area of your life. And you start going down and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, I don't, okay, fine. I don't want the ice cream. You know, like anyway, for the dead do not rise and Christ is not risen. Christ is not risen. Your faith is futile. If Christ isn't risen, your faith means nothing. It's worth nothing. You are still in your sins. That, that's the thing. If you don't worship a risen Messiah, you are still in your sins. Because if you don't believe that Jesus rose from the dead, then there's no, there's no savior. Because he just died. There's no defeating death. There's no conquering of anything. He died like everyone dies, right? There's a lot of, been a lot of noble men who have died, but how many have risen from the dead? He said, you're still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. Like, so, meaning those who've already fallen asleep in Christ, that they're done. There's nothing left for them. That's it. It's over. What a sad state that would be. I mean, you think about that. And maybe you remember before you had the hope of Christ, the resurrection, you start thinking about, like, eternity of nothingness. And for most people, that's the best case scenario. You know, is like nothing. Well, I'll just be nothing when I die. Okay. It's also a very good reminder that we're nothing in ourselves. Our morals may help us live a cleaner life here on this side of eternity. may help us live longer even, right? You make good decisions and, and there's some benefits. There's some fruits to, the, to that, right? Not all the time. Some people who live great, clean, good lives, they, they don't make it very long. That's just the way it goes. This is the world we live in, but there can be some, you could say worldly gains to living a moral life. And, and you'll have, you'll be better in dealing with people. You have better relationships and all these things, but none of those things will save you. They're all only good for this side of eternity without the resurrection from the dead. This is what religions bring us, right? And we, we know of religions who are notoriously nicer than Christians, don't we? (laughs) they like just as a whole, they got it down, man. They got the face down and they got the, you know, they're not walking around with tattoos or anything like they're clean. You know, they all look, you can spot them. You're like, Oh, you are 
one of them and you're, you know, very nice and sweet and whatever. But the fact of the matter is it doesn't matter. We are absolutely 100% relying on the resurrection of Jesus to save us. Lee Strobel said it like this. Jesus did not come into this world to make bad people good. He came into this world to make dead people live. So the fact of the matter is, it's not just to kind of change your temperament a little bit. I used to get angry. Now I just get kind of angry, you know. I used to, you know, really struggle with this, but now I just kind of struggle. No, it's to make dead people live. You are to be alive in Christ. And then he gives us his Holy Spirit, the promised helper given to us. Here, remember what Jesus said about the promised helper. We've, We've covered it, but like, I'm going away. It's a good thing I'm going away because what I'm leaving you with is the helper. And you want this. Trust me. You want this gift. They've been wanting. This has been like the desire for years. So to, to be able to have the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that lived inside of him, living inside of us. We are not just better versions of our old selves. We are alive. We were once dead. We are now alive. Sometimes you have to be reminded that you're alive, huh? You, you know what I'm saying? Because you kind of like start thinking, oh, I don't know. I'm just kind of tired or I'm this kind of that or whatever, you know. And, and you have to be reminded that you're alive, that you are out. You know, and, and I, Cannon uh, just, it was his birthday and we went to the tramp, a trampoline park. And I got a pass because I want to go with, I took Hazel and Violet and and Hazel's just bounce. She's going jump, jump, jump. And she's just like loving it on all the stuff. And I'm just kind of cruising around. But you know what? I I started jumping myself, you know, and you're like, oh, you can slam dunk on the 10 foot. Okay. What does that feel like to feel like Michael Jordan or LeBron or something like that? Well, now I know, you know, and you're like, if before you know it, you're like, this is so fun. This is like, cause I remember last time doing it, like I, it felt like it hurt. I'm like, my knees hurt, you know, or whatever. Like, oh, I shouldn't be doing that. It's bad choice. No, but I, I jumped in and I was alive. It was so fun. So much fun, you know, and just to be a part of it and to go and to do it. And you're like, this is good. I, I think sports are, are really cool like that. You can do that. It's like the, all these different things that you think you're limited by. It's because your mind isn't being renewed in a sense, right? And that's just on the earthly side. But spiritually, there is no limitations except for the limitations you put on yourself between how you get, how close you get to between you and the Lord. What he can say to you, how he can use you, what kind of new things he wants to stir up in your life and work in your life. You should come Friday. I love testimonies. We're also, yeah, we're going to worship and we're going to see what the Lord does. You know, like pray that God moves by his spirit and some cool stuff happens here. We're limiting ourselves, but really because the the fact of the matter is Jesus didn't raise you to just be kind of like you were. He raised you to be a different, changed, new creation. The old man is gone. The new, you're a new man. You're a new woman. You've been made new in him, a a new creation. You've been created for good works. You've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I, but he who lives in me, new creation. Not just kind of good or better, new, alive. This should be exciting news, right? All this world knows is death. 
And not all that's in charge is death. We're alive. We're alive. And this world's reign is coming to an end. It won't be like this forever. Andrew Murray, in speaking of uh, living Christ, said this. A dead Christ, I must do everything for. A living Christ does everything for me. If you believe in a dead Christ, you believe that you're still doing stuff for him to try and maintain this for him. And to try, he's a living Christ means he's already done it. It's taken care of. We just need to live in that life, right? Abide in the vine, so to speak. Let his life be infused in you. And as you're connected to him as the source and he's filling us and he's changing us and, and making us fruitful and 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 as we grow and we become more like him then we see our life produce things of eternal value you know if you really think about like what do people accomplish on earth 99.9 percent of the people almost nothing right like what do they have to hang their hat on right like in a worldly sense Like, what did you leave behind? Uh, Not just one generation later, but like, let's look at like five generations later. Who was, maybe you've done the lineage, but who was five generations ago, you know, your great, 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 great grandparent or whatever? What were they doing? What were they a part of? Did they build, you know, were they the ones that came with the electricity? And, you know, like, there's very few people who really changed the world in a positive way, right? And that's just... Part of the world we live in. We, as Christians, have the opportunity to bring life, abide in life, and then let that life turn into more life so that it continues to grow. It's like a pyramid scheme, right? Not really. But you know what I mean? Like where you, you get someone and then you get two people under you. They get two people under them. They get two people. On, this is like discipleship, multiplication, right? One person gets saved and then they tell another person and that person gets saved and they tell another and all of a sudden it just goes and goes and goes. Eternal lasting value where there will be crowns in eternity. So where do we put our best efforts to grow in, to to flourish in? If If in this life, it's verse 19, if in this life we have hope, In Christ, we are of all men most pitiable. If in this life we have only Christ, if the dead don't rise, we are of all men most pitiable. Why? Because we're wasting our time. Because because we should be trying our very best to just get those little scraps on the edge of the table of what the earth can offer. The best you can have now. The, the, you know, because that's all you got. And unfortunately, this is why we preach this good news, because that's what people are living for. It's just now it's this vacation or, or it's this car or it's this. And none of those things satisfy. And none of them are as good as you thought they were going to be. Because there will always be another vacation. There will always be another car. There will always be something else. And it's funny, like some of the, the cars that when I was a kid, you know, that were the coolest cars ever. You see them now, you're kind of like, that's not that good, you know. That's, I, yeah, I don't want that, you know. You find out they break down all the time. It's just not the kind of car you want it. But we are uh, to, 
we don't live like that because we believe in the resurrected Jesus. And so he's saying, if you don't believe in Jesus, then you might as well, or like the resurrected Jesus, then you might as well just live for the world because that's all you're going to get. So, you, you know, why even go through the hassle of trying to be a Christian? You, and how on earth are you going to be a Christian without him, <laughs> without Christ? What's the point? This really gets us to that core comment, like, why do we do the things we do? Why do we care about the, the why are you here this morning? Thank you for being here. But because we believe in a risen Savior, and we believe that he's active and moving and wants to work in your life. No matter what kind of ha- stuff happens around us. I mean, man, what, what a great example of that. The disciples, the apostles. It didn't matter what was happening around them. It, they were full of life. So everywhere they went was life. Right? Everywhere they went, there was just life. Like, God used them. Because they were full of life. The Holy Spirit was moving in them. So wherever you go, there will be life. Or death, depending on how you live. All all that this world knows is one fallen head instructing another fallen head. And we, why do we think we need to believe them? They don't know anything. They are blind. Their understanding is darkened. And a lot of people, it's on purpose. Some not. Like we know Paul, I mean, he's not. God opened his eyes, helped him to see it. But there was a, a, a stubbornness there. Verse 20, but now Christ is risen from the dead and has, fallen, and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Now Christ is is risen from the dead. Here's the good news, guys. We don't have to worry about the, oh, don't even worry about Christianity, you know, if it's futile, if it doesn't matter, don't even mess around with it. Why Why even try to be a Christian and, and try to live holy? Just try and eat, drink, eat and drink for tomorrow we die. No, because Christ is risen from the dead. Charles Swindoll said this, the devil, darkness, and death may swagger and boast. The pangs of life will sting for a while longer, but don't worry. The forces of evil are breathing their last. Not to worry. He's risen. Isn't that good news? Like this, this world can have its swagger, and you can be mocked, and you can be ridiculed, just like Jesus was. But was Jesus ever off mission no, because he knew that he knew something that no one else knew. He knew the beginning from the end. He had a completely different view on everything, and he saw it for what it was. Yeah, you're going to kill me. That's fine. I've got a better, bigger things at, at going on right now than that. So you can say whatever you want. You can do whatever you want. You can manipulate however you want. And you can drag me down and you can knock me down and you can whatever. But this is all very temporary because death has been defeated at the resurrection. Is this not good news? This is great news of the cross of Christ. He is risen from the dead. It's no longer I who live, but he lives in me. So you mean saying... Uh, you look in and you're like, I can't do it. I can't defeat. I can't get past this. Or I can't be that person. It's just never been a thing I can do. You look in the mirror and you say, he lives in me. Can he not do it? 
Or is it because I don't want to let go? Is it because I don't want to dig, go deeper and say, God, here's those little things, those other things that I never wanted to let go of. And I give you all of it because I don't want to just be kind of good. By the way, good, good or better versions of yourself does not give the message clearly. This is why we like testimonies, like hearing testimonies of, of radical change. And, and by the way, you don't have to have lived the craziest life to experience radical change. I believe every person needs to experience radical change at some point in their life, whether they grew up in the church or not, where they say, no, at one point I recognized that I was death, horrible sinner. I realized that I knew it. I saw myself for who I was and I realized that I was dead in my sins, and that I needed a Savior, and I needed new life. And when I recognized that, I turned to Him, and He gave it to me. And now I'm new. You could change my name if you wanted to. This is Paul now. Not Saul. That guy wasn't very good. This is Paul. He's a rad dude. He's fearless. You know? Not Simon. Remember Simon? He was the one that was scared of, like, everyone, and kind of said stuff, and didn't think, chopped off ears when people were running away. The guy who throws a punch when you're running away and then hides, you know, who did that? I don't know. You know, like, yeah. Okay. Simon, tough guy, tough guy, Simon, you know, no, that wasn't Simon. That was, this this was Peter who was willing to stand in front of anyone who brought accusation fearlessly. Right. We see him struggle from time to time. This We can all understand that. Because while we're living on this side of eternity, there's still that old man, isn't there? But we're new in Christ. And as much as we choose to live in that, we can experience that on this side of eternity. So that we can endure the seasons we go through. Because this is not heaven. Thank God, huh? There's some beautiful things here on earth. But we're all longing for home, aren't we? Where there's no sin, where there's no death, where there's, where there's just beauty and life and just being in the presence of God, unfettered by anything. We're called into that. Satan, you know, the world is, in this world you're going to have troubles. And Jesus said, I've overcome the world. Don't worry. I've got you. So I want to encourage you this morning, wherever you're at, wherever you're struggling or whatever, think about how that, what that means in light of the resurrection of Jesus on the cross. Whatever you're going through, whatever it is that you're struggling, maybe, you know, some people, it's like, some of us, it's, it's like, there's some sin that you just are, have a hard time kicking, you know, and you're just like, think about what Jesus did on the cross and, and, and what he's already taken you through and how he wants to keep taking you through it. Maybe you're dealing with anxiety, right? That's a big thing in the culture we live in, right? Anxiety, struggling with, oh, I need, I have all this anxiety because of all these different things. Well, just think about a risen Jesus King that now lives in you that you'll be with for eternity. Whatever it is, wherever you're at, maybe you're suffering, you're sick, you're going through stuff, you've had health issue after health issue after health issue, recognize who's with you. You have this Savior that he promises to never leave you or forsake you, to guide you into wisdom. We need to pray for wisdom. God, help us to see it the way you see it, to, to live the way you've called us to live and to be alive, not just a better version of our fallen selves, but alive, not dead, living in Christ. New creations. 
the good news of the gospel that is applicable to all peoples of all races of all times. It's the same message. It's not outdated. It's more necessary than ever. And to those who choose to follow and to uh, abide in him, life. If we choose to try to do it on our own or manipulate it or let the world drown out the good part of the gospel, the good news, then we're always going to be struggling, especially because we're, we think that what the world says is more important than what God says. By the way, once you get to that point, that's like a whole new thing, right? When you realize, I don't care what the world says. I just care about what God says. Like when you know who you are and whose you are, that changes everything, doesn't it? So let's pray for that, for that, that kind of uh, assurance and understanding and life found in him. Lord, we thank you so much for, for, again, what you did on the cross. You are incredibly faithful, God. And, and you're, the fact that you thought of all of this, like this was your plan to save us. And the pain that it took to show what love looks like and the example you gave us of what it looks like to be alive and be have one with the father. God, we thank you so much for that. And we pray that you would help us to live resurrected lives, not just like whitewashed tomb lives, but resurrected lives alive, not dead alive. And that the, the things the world tries to throw at us, it would have no effect on us because we belong to you. And dead things do what dead things do, but we're alive. We're playing chess. They're playing checkers. <laughs> Help us, God, to see it the way you see it. To not let the, this thing that we've been born into, that we've lived in our whole lives, this world, tell us things that we know are not true or manipulate us or whatever. That nothing would, we'd fear none but you knowing that you're the one that holds our lives and our salvation in your hand and that you, you love us. You're good. You're an amazing God. We pray that you'd fill us with your spirit from this moving out from this place that we'd all live in that place of life. That we experience your truth and your love and that we'd be able to give what you've given to us, that there'd be fruit produced from our lives. God, we thank you so much. We praise you, Lord. We worship you. Praise in Jesus' name. Amen.